Hello and welcome to episode 9 of the Hockey Free For All podcast and welcome to September as well. It's hard to believe it's already September. Hockey season is just around the corner. It looks like we have survived the dog days of summer and are now going to start getting ready for the preseason action and exhibition season and things like that. So this week there's been a lot of conversations on the topic of goaltending. And we're going to start this off in a rather unusual way and list who I think are the top 10 goaltenders of all time. And undoubtedly, there will be some people that will probably disagree with some of these choices or believe that other people should be on the list. But when somebody says to me, who do I think are the top 10 goaltenders of all time? It is a very, very or a really clear list of who those people actually are. So as far as I'm concerned, the top 10 goaltenders of all time are Ken Dryden, Vladislav Tretiak, Jacques Plante, Bill Dernan, George Hainsworth, George Vezina, Martin Brodeur, Henrik Lundqvist, Terry Sawchuk, and Bernie Perron. And I have no doubt there's some people that go, I can't believe you didn't mention fill in the blank. Again, this is my list. And I think those are the goaltenders that have had the greatest impact on the game, as far as I'm concerned, or have been the best money goaltenders of both prior decades and current time in the National Hockey League. So that list of goaltenders covers many, many decades of time. It's not just a list of the current NHL. I think it's the list of the top 10 goaltenders, period, in the NHL's history, in my opinion. And like I said, no doubt, I'm sure there'll be some people that have their own selections or can't believe there's somebody I didn't have on the list that they just couldn't live without being on that list. Now from there, let's get into the current Canadians goaltending situation, which there seems to be a lot of concern as to the career of Carey Price. Once again, I go back to something we've talked about in past episodes. If anybody missed the interview that Carey Price had last year when the Canadians won 10 to 2 on the final game of the season against Florida, that pretty much told you everything you need to know as to where Carey's career was headed. Yes, there's some people obviously very disappointed. Yes, Carey has been an excellent goaltender. That being said, injuries have taken their toll and they've stacked up and he just physically isn't the goaltender that he was several years ago. That happens to a lot of goalies, a lot of athletes in general. It's not anything new. Injuries just take a toll after a while. So with that said, who is going to be in the Canadians' goal moving forward? Currently, it looks like it's going to be Jake Allen and Sam Maltenbaugh. Is that a good thing? Is that adequate goaltending? To be determined. I don't think the Canadians are done yet with goaltending prospects. Caden Primo is probably the closest to being NHL ready, but that's not a very secure feeling because I think Caden Primo proved last year when he was in Montreal, he still has a lot of time to spend in the AHL before he's ready to take the reins as the number one or even a 1A goaltender. Other prospects in the organization, I think, who have a better chance of eventually becoming the next starter, Jacob Dobbs, who's six foot four, 200 pounds from Czechoslovakia, Frederick Tachau, six foot five, 200 pounds from Denmark, Joe Verbatic, who was signed to a one-year AHL one-way contract this year, comes in at 6'6", 190. And, of course, a prospect that was drafted this year in 2022, Emmett Croteau, 6'3", 195. I think the next Canadiens goaltender is going to come out of a mid-round draft pick, a la like Henrik uh, Lundqvist did, who was a seventh-round pick in the New York Rangers drafts and things like that. 
I, I don't think it's going to be a high-profile goaltender. And Montreal has an adept touch at that particular position of goalie. They've done phenomenally well to the point where I think they've done better than any other organization in the NHL, having consistent high-quality goaltenders play for their organization. I don't think it's going to be somebody that they're going to trade for. I think there's several candidates, one in particular from Czechoslovakia in this coming draft in 2023, who I think with the extra draft picks that Montreal has acquired through trades and other scenarios, I think has more than adequate selections to be able to go quote-unquote off the board and take the goaltender I'm thinking about from Czechoslovakia a little higher than he might be rated for, but he may turn out to actually be the goaltender of the future or one of those players that I just mentioned that's in their prospect pool. Caden Primo, I don't think he's actually ever going to be a starting goaltender in Montreal. And it's not because I don't think he's good enough. I think eventually he's going to get traded before Montreal needs him in goal. And that's a weird way to put it. And what I mean by that is I don't think he's going to be good enough. And I think there's a state of flux in the organization right now that I think the timing just isn't going to work out well for Caden Primo. I have a strange feeling he's going to end up back in the United States. He's from the state of New Jersey. I think he's either going to end up with the Devils or the Flyers. He's going to end up with one of those teams in that New York, Philadelphia, New Jersey corridor in the country. It just, there's too many things that are pointing at that. Call it a gut feeling. I have no inside information on that or anything. I just have a feeling that's where he's going to end up. The other issue with goaltending that's really odd is people that seem to have this I can't imagine life without Carey Price. No player lasts forever. Gretzky came and went. Lemieux came and went. Beliveau came and went. Unfortunately, nobody lasts forever. So people should start getting really comfortable with who is going to be the heir apparent or the next Canadian goaltender to make their mark in the long history list of established goaltending stars that Montreal's had. From there, let's jump over to the next topic that seems to be very interesting and continuing is who should the next captain be? So as far as who the next captain should be, should it be Nick Suzuki? There's a lot of support for Nick Suzuki out there to be the next captain. Is he ready for it? One could argue absolutely yes. Does he have all the qualifications, tendencies? Does he work with the media, deal with the media, and like the media? Does he have that kind of bond, if you will, with fans and you know, hands out at will, things like sticks or jerseys or autographs and things like that? He is all that and more. So the kid has an amazing head on his shoulder. But the question really for Nick Suzuki or about Nick Suzuki is... Does he need that along with everything else that he's dealing with at this point? That's the bigger question. Could he handle it? Absolutely he could handle it. That would not be a problem at all. But I think right now he should be allowed to focus on becoming very, very comfortable, finding his stride, if you will. Not that he already hasn't been successful. I think there's still several levels of comfort that he could acquire to be that much more complete of a player. And focusing on his own development long term, I think is far and away more important than the organizational priority or the relations that would come along with being named captain. For that reason, could Brendan Gallagher be captain? Absolutely, he's a heart and soul person. 
Reminds me a lot of Bob Gainey and Guy Carboneau. Leaves it all on the ice. Nothing to question. That being said, I think he's got five years left on his contract. Obviously, you don't want to prolong Suzuki being named that long as team captain. So Joel Edmondson seems to me to be the perfect pick. He's the veteran. He has Stanley Cup experience. He understands how to balance things and deal with the media. He doesn't get rattled easier. He's just been around longer. He also only has two years left on his contract. Whether they decide to sign him or re-sign him after that contract is over with, who knows? I mean, they could, but it depends. I think they have so many prospects right now. I think you're about to see in a good way a revolving door scenario in Montreal right now. I think if you like change, you are going to be very fascinated by this team over the next couple of years because I think there's going to be more players passing through its doors than ever before. I, I think it's a great opportunity to really discover what you have top to bottom in the organization at every level and then from that, determine that long-term, highly successful roster that's going to win year after year after year, or at least be a very competitive, always in the running for the Stanley Cup team. Regarding Joel Edmondson as captain, makes me want to talk about the position that he plays, and that's defense. What is with the deep level concern as if the sky is falling or the world is ending regarding Montreal's defense? Can somebody please explain that concept? There's seems to be a concept of, oh my God, this defensive group is so much worse than last year's. I don't think he can be worse than last year's group. Last year's defense was horrendous. Last year's defense tripped over itself. Last year's defense had a ton of injuries, which obviously the players could do nothing about. Somebody gets injured, they get injured. It's not like they can plan being injured. They had lots of injuries to deal with. They had horrendous chemistry. They had unhappy players, such as Jeff Petrie demanding to be traded. They had injuries such as Shea Weber, who never ended up playing at all. Joel Edmondson was injured a significant part of the year. You had a lot of in and out of the lineup players like Kulak, like Chris Weidman, Corey Shermerman. It was kind of like a jigsaw puzzle. So I don't know how anybody can look at already this group that could potentially be the starting six, which there's multiple combinations of at this point. Obviously, we haven't even started the preseason yet. I don't know how anybody could look at that and say, oh my God, this group is going to be so much worse. Or this group is lacking a right-handed defenseman. Or this group has to find a replacement for Jeff Petrie. Why? You've got tons of talent to evaluate. You've got the perfect coaching staff for that evaluation their development, and to bring them along and turn them into solid NHL players. You've got a crack staff and management that obviously has provided significant depth within the organization in the forms of prospects, not only the junior level, but the ECHL as well as the AHL. There's a lot of players right now. Montreal has actually got so many players, they have more players than they have roster spots right now. But let's take a look at this defensive group, potentially, that could be the defense this year. So down the right side of the defense, you could have David Savard, Corey Sherman, and Chris Weidman. Is that an exciting right side to your defense? No, but is that worse than last year's? I mean, at least you have three players that want to be in the Canadians organization, that want to play. In the case of Corey Sherman, you've got somebody who really wants to prove themselves and make a name for themselves and earn a roster spot. You have Chris Weidman, who fully understands his spot on the roster. He's there to tutor younger defensemen, bring them along. He understands that maybe he'll be in and out of the lineup with one of the young 
younger prospects that he's mentoring. You've got David Savard, who can eat up a ton of minutes. Heavy defenseman at 6'1", 6'2", 230, 234 pounds. So you've got size. There's teams in the NHL who have a worse right side of defense than that. On the left-hand side, you've got Joel Edmondson. 6'4", 225, 229, somewhere in there, can log a ton of minutes. You've got Mike Matheson, who is as good as Jeff Petrie is in any way. He's got as good of a shot. He's as good, if not better and more fluid skating-wise, but at least as good. He can also log a lot of minutes just like he did. He's younger than Petrie was. And it's funny, a lot of people are dying for more francophones on the team. He's from the province of Quebec, and he wants to be there. There's something he actually wants to be there and is looking forward to and is excited about it. So that's going to bring new blood. That's going to bring new energy to the defense, which are two of the things that every team is looking for. And then your number three defenseman on the left-hand side for the moment, but could certainly climb very quickly throughout the year, is Jordan Harris, who from the moment he stepped on the NHL ice last year did not even look remotely out of place. Excellent skater, good transitional defenseman. Some people could say, ah, but you know, he's only 5'11 and 188, 193 pounds. Big deal. If you can't catch it, you can't hit it. You don't have to worry about it. If he's good at getting the puck up the ice quick, strong first pass, can get it to a forward, it doesn't matter. Jordan Harris, I think, is going to surprise a lot of people. It wouldn't surprise me at some point if he's involved in a Norris Trophy discussion. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but I'm saying he's got that much potential. He did not look out of place at all. Last year when interviewed for the very first time and every time afterwards, he spoke to the media as if he'd already been in the NHL for 7 to 10 years. He did not have this rookie presence, this overwhelming, oh my God, what do I do? He seemed like a seasoned pro. Let's give these players a chance to prove themselves. Let's give these players a chance to show what they can actually do before we throw them all in a garbage can and say, oh, that's it. This group sucks. We're, we're done. This group is horrendous. This is worse than last year. I really struggle to understand how people can make those assumptions without even seeing the group on the ice, without even seeing the coaching staff that made all the difference in the world is literally flipping a switch last year on Dominic Ducharme's last game and Martin St. Louis's first game. It looked like two totally different teams. It was an immediate effect. So what do you say we give a chance for all this to gel together? And quite honestly, I think a lot of people are going to be surprised. I think the Canadians are going to be better than a lot of people think. Of course, that's not going to make people happy because, of course, everybody wants the Montreal Canadiens to win the Connor Bedard sweepstakes. Unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Canadians have made changes that are going to result in a better team. I think the Canadians will end up with a top 10 pick, at least one. And if Florida has as bad of a season that I think they're going to have, I think they're going to have a far less successful season than they did last year. Montreal could end up with two top 10 picks. Whether either one of them is in the top five, that remains questionable. But Montreal is going to get some really good prospects out of this draft. I just don't think it's going to be the Connor Bedard that everybody's hoping for. And I know that probably agitates a lot of people, but unfortunately, in addition to Montreal, I think being better than they were last year, because I don't think last year they were actually as bad as the position they finished and showed them to be. But you also have teams this year that I think are going to be even worse with less points at the end of the season, like Chicago and Arizona. Arizona is purposely tanking. I mean, from everything from the size of the arena that they're playing into to the roster cleanout that they're making, Chicago basically had a fire sale at the draft. So obviously they're all in on the Connor Bedard 
um, sweepstakes or lottery. I just don't think Montreal is going to be as bad as either one of those teams. I think Montreal is going to get a great player. I, I already have in mind a couple of players that I think are fantastic that although people obviously want other options, I think these players are going to fit in perfectly with what they're building in Montreal. I just think it's going to be disappointing to some people because everybody seems so dead set on, oh, we got to have Connor Bedard. I just don't think it's going to fall in Montreal's laps. If it does, fantastic. Nothing wrong with that, but I don't think that's going to actually happen. Let's jump to another topic that continues to haunt the stories of the offseason, and that, of course, is trades. Obviously, there are still some people out there that apparently think the Canadians should go after Pierre-Luc Dubois. Once again, as mentioned in previous episodes, if somebody thinks Montreal has to have him, the only way the Canadians should obtain him is to let his contract expire. When it runs out, offer him an opportunity. But Montreal does not not need to throw away any prospects to get Pierre-Luc Dubois or anybody else. And not only does it need to throw away any prospects for that, I'm surprised at how many people, knowing that the Canadians right now, one of Kent Hughes's biggest issues is trying to relieve the Canadians of all of these excessively large and long-term contracts that he's trying to get out from under. I have no idea why so many people are sitting there going, oh, we need to acquire this guy and that guy. Do you want more contracts? I mean, we're already trying to get out of the ones that we have. Why would you want to cash strap the organization with new long-term high-valued contracts? That does not make any sense. And again, in episodes coming in September, I don't think a lot of people are apparently aware of how many prospects Montreal has. Montreal has more than enough prospects that there is no need to go outside the organization looking at other players. And especially if you want to build a long-term, successful, Stanley Cup contending team year after year, as mentioned previously, you need to make sure or you need to assure the prospects there is a path for them to play, compete, and earn a roster spot in your organization. Montreal has done some phenomenal drafting. I know a lot of people want to hang out Mark Bergevin to dry. They're like, Mark Bergevin was an idiot. Mark Bergevin was a bad general manager. I think a lot of people are going to regret some of the comments that they've made. I'm not saying I wish he was still there and the new management group wasn't. I think all the changes that the ownership of the Canadians has made has been absolutely a home run hit across the board from public relations to the development staff to the analytics department, to every level of management that they've brought people on, the coaching staff, everywhere. That being said, I think that management group has in mind a long-term plan that doesn't need to include anything outside its organization. I think this organization has decided to adopt the philosophy, at least it looks like they have, that we want to create an environment for the players that we draft, that we bring up, that we cultivate, and we want them to stay here, that they don't even have any thoughts of going anywhere else. Detroit did that. That's what really propelled them to their 25 consecutive years that they made the playoffs and also what they did with all of their Russian and Swedish players, they created an environment those players didn't want to leave. They kind of, if you will, cocooned them and kind of shielded them. But it created a phenomenal internal environment that obviously had tremendous great success. And I think the Canadians are trying to cultivate something similar to that currently 
with this group. But for all those people that keep thinking that Montreal should obtain all these other players, you really need to take a look at the prospect list that they have. They have a lot of people coming, and there's not going to be room for anybody else. I think the biggest challenge moving forward for the Canadians will be once that roster is assembled. With that list of players, I think the biggest challenge is going to be keeping them all. Because obviously, I think they're all going to be really, really good players, which means they're going to really, really want to be paid really well. And unless the cap moves significantly from where it is now, I don't think they're going to ever be able to keep them all. That being said, Tampa would be an organization I would look at to see how they're constantly keeping all of their core players, but as well as they've done, Tampa Bay's even had to let a couple of them go as well. So it's just a concern moving down the road as to how long are they going to be able to keep them together. Fortunately for Montreal, I think they've already looked at that, and I think that's why they continue, although some people say, oh my God, how many draft picks can you have moving forward? That's the great thing about having asset management or draft picks is that when you lose those players, you've got the draft picks to replace them with. Not that maybe they're all going to walk in and start on the team that moment, but at least, again, you can cultivate and you can replace much quicker if you've obtained the draft choices and capital to be able to do that with. I'm not taking anything away from the 2022 draft that just concluded this year. I think the new management staff had a phenomenal draft, drafted some players that I can't wait to see in a Canadian's uniform in the future. I think a lot of people are going to have to swallow their words about Mark Bergevin because I think an awful lot of players are also coming from the 2021 and 2020 drafts as well. Montreal has actually, in the in recent years, had some really good drafts, and a lot of people are going to have to realize and recognize and give credit to Bergevin for providing quite a selection of prospects in place from the previous drafts before the new management got here, which is only to the benefit of the new management group, but you can't ignore the fact Bergevin drafted those guys. And if the 2022 draft is any indication of how this new group is going to draft, there's a lot of excitement. Suddenly draft day, if the Canadians don't win the Stanley Cup during a season, draft day will be the most exciting day of any season because they just have a phenomenal ability to recognize talent. Well, that wraps up things for episode nine. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast as much as the others or even more. And I look forward to talking to you next week. And this is Steven Stiles saying have a great week and we'll talk soon and have a wonderful holiday.